Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hope for Heroes, Texas. This is Brad Cornell, and we're serving those who serve us. If you haven't joined us before, Hope for Heroes, Texas, what we do is bring in first responders from around Texas. And yes, we bring them into the Bevy Hotel, give them a beautiful night at the Bevy Hotel. We give them a gift card to spend right here in Bernie, Texas, and they have an incredible time. And of course, it's all in the greeting. Well, on today's episode, we have got a fantastic first responder that's going to be sharing some great stories, because that's what we do here. Under the weight of the badge. Glad you joined us. You've seen it all in his 15 years. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brad Cornell. My gosh, are you ever blessed to be here today? We have got an amazing officer slash board member here today. He is so special. And I want to thank you for joining us on the weight of the badge because he carries a weight that most people don't carry, even in the police officers and uh, first responders. He carries a weight of the badge that's um, really, really serious when it comes to mental health and uh, peer support. And he has been just a blessing to me. He is who I get the officers that come here. He's the one that sends them to me. When I say send them to me, I mean, gives me who they're, I'm going to call. And he is just an amazing man of God. He's a great, just a great friend. He is with Austin PD. He's been there for 16 years. He has two children. He's got a daughter, 27 years old, and a son, 24. And you know, he comes from Austin. Whenever we need something done, I will call this gentleman up. And I mean, he is here. We had a board meeting today. And heck, no problem from him being here at 8 o'clock in the morning from Austin, still doing everything he's got to do. So I want to welcome to the Hope for Heroes. In fact, if you just joined us, Hope for Heroes, go to hopeforheroestx.org. You need to check out our website where you put your name in there so you'll know when the the uh, greetings are coming. And um, again, the Weight of the Badge podcast is keeps spreading across the country. And I want to thank you so much. Share it with whoever you can. But today's episode is going to be a special one. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Mr. Joe Brown. Good low Joe. Hello, Brad. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for, for uh, being on our board of directors. You know what? I It's the very least I could do for what uh, you and what the Hope for Heroes has done for my coworkers and, and for our uh, the families of our officers as well. It has just been a game changer. So it's the very least that, that I could do to contribute for well, everything y'all have done for us. Well, you certainly do. And I'm really, people are really excited about it. I know a lot of people are excited about hearing this podcast because, you know, we all wonder on the mental health side of things. I mean, your officers, what they do is unbelievable. You know, the statistics is somebody will see like a regular person, a civilian like me, will see two to four terrible tragedies in my whole lifetime. And here you guys see four, three, four, five, six, seven hundred in your lifetime. So I know the mental health is a big deal. And so that's what we try to deal with when we bring them in here. But give me some of that. I know you've been on, this, on the force for 16 years and you are peer support is, is what you do. And you work at the peer support unit up in uh, Austin. But tell me, we, tell me how you started and then how you kind of got into the peer support and doing what you do now, because it's amazing what you do and how you do it. Well, uh, I've been a police officer, like you said, for 16 years. I did the first uh, 12 years of my career as a patrol officer, and during that time, uh, I had a specialization of being a mental health officer, so dealing with people in the public that have mental health issues and being able to effectively communicate with them and, and connect them to resources so they can uh, be happy and, and live a live a happier life. And for the last 11 years or so, I've been on, on the hostage negotiation team. So that's, that's a big part of my career is, is mental health. I've always been drawn to that aspect of it. Um, if you say be the best crash investor you could possibly be, I, I can get by on that. I can do other things pretty well, but I, I think on the mental dealing with people that have mental health issues is really my forte and kind of my, my, 
spot in the world that that I can provide the highest level of service. And that's really exciting when you think about it, I guess, because hostage negotiating is really a mental thing, isn't it? It, when it you is. think about it. It, it is. And, and a, a major part of what I do on the peer support team and negotiation, uh, hostage negotiation, there's a big overlap. It's being able to be a good listener and understand what the person is saying and, and, and building some rapport with them so they trust you to reveal the problems that they're having and, and what you know what they need to uh, help themselves get into a better place. Yeah. So when you started the hostage negotiating, was that was before you became the mental health in peer support or was that? Uh, so I've been on the peer support team for about four years now. And so I, I, I was a mental health officer on patrol first. And okay. then after doing that for a period of time, then I uh, went through the hostage negotiator training and then went through the boards to to be a member of our hostage negotiation team. What's that like? I mean, let's say, I mean, how do you, how do you start off with that? I mean, how do you, if, if I'm, if I'm, you know, my wife's holding me hostage, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then there's one you're going to have to break through, but <laughs> you to negotiate with her. I can't even do that. I've been married for 20 years. Yeah. So anyway, if I call you Joe, I need you to help me brother. No, but, but I mean, when they call on you and say, okay, what's, what's the scene look like just for the so people like me, you guys always put the yellow, all the yellow tape around. So we never get to see exactly how it works. Well, I, I think for us, we deal more with barricaded subjects as opposed to a true uh, hostage situation. Oh, okay. Although, we did have uh, two of those last year, um, but I would say that we have a, a large portion of people that are suicidal that may be on an elevated uh, structure that may want to jump off of a building or off of a bridge, and so those are those are more you know one on one conversations with you know we go as a team out there. It's not just one person negotiating, um, and then on a, a barricaded subject or say someone that got caught in the middle of a robbery and they, you know, they don't want to give up or they find out they have a, a warrant and they're going to go back to, to prison. Um, then we, it, it's a matter of talking to those people and, and building rapport and working with, you know, we work as a team with our, uh, our SWAT team and our bomb squad. And, you know, so I'm barricaded. Let's just say I'm barricaded mm-hmm. and I'm one of those crazy guys that just, you know, did a robbery and I'm barricaded. How do you start the conversation off with me? I would say there's a hope for heroes event starting in five minutes. Why don't you come on out now, Brad? And, uh, come to the event. Just joking. Really? That's cool. Just, I was just, just saying, no, some so, of the people have come, I would think you have sent me yeah, those. No. So, so <laughs> no. basically what we do is I'd, I'd introduce myself and I'd say, hi, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm, I'm with the Austin Police Department. I'm a negotiator and I want to do what I can to help you and and just listen to what you have to say, not interrupting you and, and just getting as much information uh, from you as possible using active listening skill skills um, where I might paraphrase what you say so you can understand that I'm listening and understanding what you're saying and you're being heard. A lot of the people that are in crisis are are very amped up and sometimes it's just a matter of them being heard. And then I try to explain to them that, hey, we're going to treat you with respect. Um, if you'll come out, a lot of people are nervous, like, oh, my neighbors are out there. There's, you know, there's a hundred police officers outside. I don't want to come out and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll treat you with respect. I'll treat you the way that I'd want to be treated. I'll bring in, I'll say, I'll have an ambulance come up and we can have this conversation in the ambulance once the the SWAT officers make sure that everything is safe and then treat them with respect. And after a critical incident like that, we try to generally talk to that person afterwards because sometimes or frequently we have repeat customers. So you go and talk to someone and say, yeah. oh, you know what? I talked to Joe two years ago and he was, he was an honest guy and, and treated me right. And so it, it speeds up that negotiation process. Well, that's interesting. In Do you future. keep in touch with them at all in those two years? Say, I mean, are they, no, yeah, g- g- just, g- generally not just yeah. after the incident and, and 
um, talking with them afterwards. And, and so there's a, a, so we leave with a positive note yeah. with them. So if there's someone's wanting to jump off a building and kill themselves and you negotiate, you talk them off of it, do they go get some mental health after that? Do they? Yeah, they're, they're going to, they're going to most, most of the time are going to be on an emergency detention where they're going to need to go to a hospital or psychiatric facility yeah. and, and be evaluated. And then it's determined by, someone other than me or, or the sure. negotiator or mental health officers at that point. Um, but yeah, I've, I've dealt with, uh, one or two people that have been repeated jumpers mm-hmm. on uh, the I-35 on one of the flyovers on I-35 that we've oh. successfully been able to get them down. Wow. That's gotta be rewarding. it when you talk someone down to doing something like that, I mean, I, you've got that personality and I mean, you've got such a heart that I could see, you know, you doing what you do, but it's just, we, you know, we think the public as we think about a hostage negotiator. I'm always like, you know, Clint Eastwood movie or something, you know? Yeah, no, it, it is, it is very rewarding. And it's, it's one of the, the great joys of my career to be able to, to be part of such a, a great team. And, and, and I, I want to make sure and clarify that it's not just. Oh me. yeah, I don't understand. There, there's yeah. a whole team, and other people do do the work as well, and, and talk to people as well. But um, I think that we've got a, a really strong team of, of people that are very motivated and dedicated. Our our hostage negotiation team is composed of a volunteer, so it's not a like our SWAT team. Those are full time officers, and that's all they do. Um, the hostage negotiators have another job that's their primary responsibility, and oh, then they. They do that on a voluntary basis. Yeah. Let's just say out of a, I mean, uh, what is a percentage of uh, negotiations that go well? I mean, if it's a hundred, does 80 go well? Is I, it? I would say it's in the mid to upper nineties. Oh, wow. That's yeah, great. So it's generally very good. Um, unfortunately, there are some cases that we get to where we are attempting to make contact with someone that's already deceased that, that is already, too late. Uh, yeah. has already committed suicide. Um, and and you know that's that's a, a tough thing, but you know we just do the very best we can, and and that's all we can. That's all you really do. do. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's all you can do. I mean, you just yes, create sir. the situation. You're there to fix mm-hmm. it. Let me ask you about a couple of things up in Austin that's going on as far as these uh, what you see in Austin in this last say three to five years. What have you seen change in our just in our society of how you know being in Austin and and all the different changes, the, the maybe the personalities or the attitudes of people. What have you seen? Well, I. For my looking back on my time on patrol, people were were generally very friendly one on one. They they would come up and try to offer to buy your your meal or coffee for you, and and, and very nice. And um, the overall public was generally positive towards officers. But I would say in the last three years or so, the the public perception of of officers has has taken a a turn for the the worse. I would say. And you have a lot of people that are um, very vocal in criticizing the the police. And um, kind of, in my opinion, trying to demonize us for 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 doing a job, and uh, that you know I think that that has uh, that's taken its toll on a lot of people um, because you know when I when I signed up I signed up to to help people and I take that I, I thrive with that being able to help people and do uh, positive things for them and in watching some of the protests and some of the things that people that you look you know a housewife with her child. You think okay, they're they're going to be pro law enforcement, and they're screaming curse words and just have such venom uh, coming from them towards law enforcement, even though it may not be uh, myself or another officer that 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 did something wrong. And and let me first say, uh, no one likes a bad police officer more than a police officer because sure. we all pay the the price yeah. for that. But um, 
you know, that has been a, that weighs heavy on a lot of people. Uh, I can remember distinctly during the protests, um, standing next to my partner and we were looking down from a parking garage and we saw someone just take a, a, a frozen bottle of water and just throw it, hit, hit an officer right in the face with it. And, you know, just going, wow, that, that, it was hard to comprehend that that was going on. And it really shook up the person that was standing next to me. It did me as well, but, but the person next to me got very emotional about it. Like, man, how, what, what what's going on? How is this yeah, happening? How is it happening? Um, you know, we're, you know, here we are putting on our uniform to go out and protect and, and serve the, the community. And then having that type of reaction, uh, well, that was tough uh, for me, but it was a lot tougher for the people that were on the front lines continuously because we went into a um, uh, where you worked every day for 12 hours for a period there because yeah, of all the stuff that was crazy. going on. Yeah. And uh, I think that that exposure traumatized officers more than traumatic deaths of children, horrific cor- car crashes, really yeah. gory um, crime scenes. Just having people because they took it so personal, I would yeah, think. Because it's yeah. like, what did I do to you? I'm trying to help you, and you're yeah. And so I think that that really had a a big impact on a lot of people, more so than I realized at the time. Uh, now working the peer support unit and talking with people, and uh, people that you know work in units such as homicide or child abuse, where they see really difficult things every day, that was less traumatic for them than being out on the on the front steps of the. Uh, police headquarters and, and dealing with the people yeah. uh, attacking him and verbally and, and physically. Oh, the best. Yeah, we ain't superheroes. We're just ordinary people trying to make a difference. And the first on every scene, it's a heavy. The Way to the Badge podcast is sponsored by the Bevy Hotel in Bernie, Texas. And Apache Rifle Works in Comfort, Texas, open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Keeps going on. When those sirens are gone. Do you have in your in your unit? Because I would think, you know, being police officers, you hate to, you don't want to, you know, you guys are, and I think it's getting better where instead of just gut it out and be tough, now mm-hmm. you've got a challenge. You need to go talk to somebody. Um in the peer support side of things, is that where the like an officer gets gets was in that situation and he needs to talk? Is it do they feel real comfortable coming to you, or is it one of those things where they think they need to talk about it but they don't want to come to you? I mean, are you is peer support more not like a counseling session they're going to, but a you know what I mean like a yeah. So I, I think that what we've been working on really hard for the last few years is to change the culture. Like okay, hey, you just dealt with a really traumatic situation. You just saw that that child deceased or you saw this horrific car crash where multiple people were killed it's okay not to be okay and reach out we have some we have resources for you i'm not a counselor no one in our unit or counselor we're just fellow officers you're just buddies we're 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 there someone that they know and they can come and they know that we're going to keep things confidential yeah and we have a lot of resources in terms of counseling uh actually Doctor relationships with doctors where we can get people in to see psychiatrists quickly and just, you know, a lot of other resources where people can come to us where they may not be comfortable doing it in a group setting. Yeah. Or, you know, they don't want to go with the stigma of, oh, I've I've got a problem. We're promoting the idea that it's okay not to be okay. And we're gonna we're gonna help you and we're gonna do it, you know, confidentially so you can keep on going without having to worry about that. When you send people to Hope for for Heroes, uh, Texas, when you send them down here to Bernie. 
um, which of course doesn't have the same situation going on up as we do or you do up in Austin. What is your, do you have a criteria? Because oh, the guys you send here and the families are unbelievable. I mean, they're such sweethearts and they, of course, we try to show them just how much love and they're heroes. We try to show them what they need to know. But do you have a criteria like who you, how you send them? Is there? Yeah. So, um, it's actually a team. It's our peer support team that does it. So it's Sergeant Tim Cresta, Sergeant Jen Smith, Juan Zacchius, Bonnie Caudell, and Ricky Hollis. So we we select people that are, that, that we think would would uh, benefit from a trip to yeah. Hope for Heroes, okay. and that may have had a been involved in a critical incident. They may have been injured at work. They may be going through some marital issues. They may have uh, some children that have some some issues, and so or, or people are just generally struggling and we try to vet those people that way to see uh, someone that could come down here and just really uh, get appreciated by the hope for heroes family and just uh, it's been a game changer and I oh, can tell you know. with with all of our resources you know we, we had a federal grant where we could give people uh, 14 free counseling sessions we get people in to see psychiatrists we do a lot of other things but I'll tell you the, the thing that has the most immediate and most meaningful impact in my experience, has been the Hope for Heroes weekends. I wow. Mean, people come Thank home you. changed from that. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I try to make as many of them as I can. And, you know, it. it I find myself fighting back tears each time when you do the greeting and, and you know, are loving on, on our heroes. And, man, I'll tell you, just seeing these big, tough officers kind of break down and just go, man, there's so much love out here for me because they're they're not hearing that as much as they used to. And boy, it is a breath of fresh air for our people. And so on behalf of everybody that I work with, boy, we just want to say thank you and to to Hope for Heroes as well, Brad. You've been a, a lifesaver in, in every meaning of that word. Well, I want to thank you so much, Joe. And it's all because of the people at Bernie, you know, who show up. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And having you on the board now is a real blessing because people understand it more. Because I didn't even understand how it works. I just know I call you and here they come. And uh, so, right. folks, I want you to know what a big deal it is to have someone like Joe. And we also have another person, um, Doug Green in San Antonio, Texas, mm-hmm. that does the same thing. So, we, you know, and the goal is Hope for Heroes, folks. Go on HopeForHeroes.org, HopeForHeroesTX.org, I should say, and check out what we do because you're welcome to come. We want you to come to one of our morning, um, will you see us greet? You'll be part of the greeting. You're part of what goes on. That's a, that's really a big deal. And I want to thank, you know, this. these uh, Hope for Heroes doesn't happen by itself. It's all 100% funded by you, by people. I want to thank Vic Vaughn, Vic Vaughn Toyota. Um, he's been a big supporter of Hope for Heroes. And I definitely want to thank Blacksmith Grill, Pat over at the Salty and Sweet and Blacksmith Grill. He's been a big supporter along with all you folks that are out there helping us. And it's just such a big deal to have all the people show up and be in that lobby of the Bevy Hotel, which, of course, thank God for the Bevy. And um, it's just a big deal. And, Joe, it's really important that you know how much we love you guys. I mean, you know, you, you're on the board of directors here, and you come down no matter when we need you, and you go back. But you are such a huge part. Hope for Heroes couldn't make it without you. I mean, we really couldn't. We have, we had to, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't know how to, who to bring. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's the very least I could do for for all of the, the things you do for our officers and, and what Differences you made, not just in the officers, but in their their wives, their their husbands, their children, their their families. It's it's been a game changer for well, 
for Thank everybody. You. Hope for Heroes folks is getting ready to do a lot of other things on top of that. Just know that when you check out hopeforheroes.org, you'll see what we do. We just had a father-son weekend last weekend um, where we brought 15 dads and 15 sons that just needed to get away for a weekend on Friday to Sunday. And it was no, it was unreal to watch these men start bonding with their sons and their sons are like, dad, you do love me <laughs> because I know your guys' heads are always on a swivel. I mean, you're always out doing things and you're so busy. And a lot of times because of the way things are set up, which is just makes me crazy is you got to work so much overtime to make any kind of real money. I mean, it's mm-hmm. amazing once you see what you guys have to do, the hours you work and the training you have. I've run with officers and to see what you guys do. You, now, you're intense when it comes to hostage negotiating, but the guys I rode with, they've had to negotiate a lot of people too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every officer is in, in a negotiation, in negotiation on a daily basis. Yes, sir. And I sat there watching when we they pull somebody over, watch it get screamed at and hollered at. I'm like, holy cow, how do you do this? Yeah. I mean- it's a good thing I'm not an officer. I just tase you to start off with, and then we'll start talking about it. <laughs> Mister No Patience here, yeah. but um, but really, Joe, you just uh, you just got to know that as you as we continue to grow Hope for Heroes, folks, we want to you know we do the first Tuesday of every month. We put on a first responder lunch. We had over 125 this last um, this last Tuesday or the Tuesday of this month, um, which I know you were there for, mm-hmm. and. I want folks to know, you know, guys, if you're listening to this from California to Florida, you need to get some buddies of yours together, pull out those cookers that are sitting in your garage, go down and buy a bunch of hamburger meat and get your first responders to sit down without the public, just sit down and cook them a barbecue and let them just enjoy a day or an afternoon. We do it from 11 to 1 of just watching those guys relax or with fellow first responders. And it's just amazing to watch what happened. We know we had like 40 when I first started. Now we're like 125. Yeah, I know it's something I look forward to every month. I come and just see all the positive energy in the room. And uh, you normally see people that are a little uh, first responders that act a little bit serious. They're on guard. And I'll tell you, seeing, seeing those folks enjoy a great lunch and the camaraderie and the love that's in the room is, is really a yeah. A breath of fresh air. It's a, it's a game changer. It really is. Well, you know, Bernie, Texas is such a special, special town, and it all comes together for our first responders. So I want to thank all the first responders, of course, in this town and all the public that support us. What would you like, Joe, being the mental health, which we, we're really excited about that the mental health is such a huge thing now. Because, you know, before I know I talked to officers that before, probably when you started 16 years ago, that they just said, if you had a problem, it's like, buck up there, buddy, we're cops. But yeah. now it's like, Hey, we you need some you need to get talk about it or whatever. Right. But what do you want the public to know, just maybe that they don't know about officers and what you guys do? Well, I think that that uh, the public does. They probably do know us. We are we are humans. We're we're people just like they are. And although we put on a, a tough front, uh, dealing with critical incidents, incidences, uh, and that kind of stuff. It has a it has impact on us. I mean, you could be the strongest person, the most mentally tough person in the room, but you're still going to have a biological reaction to trauma. And so we we live a lot shorter than the general public. Once we retire, we have uh, I think triple the the rate of suicide as the general public. So we're we're humans too, and we're we're trying to do the best we can to to serve our communities and and do that kind of stuff. But it's. It's not an easy job these days. Amen. Well, hey, we want to thank you for being one of our heroes because you sure are. You're a big hero for Hope for Heroes. I'll tell you, without you, I'd, it'd be a much tougher situation. Thank you for believing this. Thank you for what you do. Uh, one of your one of your uh, real special officers and um, men that are coming on with Hope for Heroes, Ken Cassidy, 
which was a president of the police officer association. God love him. He was, uh, he was, there was a, a gentleman got shot in the chest in the park and box was, we call him box because he's built like one. Kid was, um, giving him CPR and he had a heart attack. So he'll be retiring, coming with hope for heroes. Yeah. I think that's a, a great way for him <sighs> yeah. to carry on his legacy of, of helping officers and we'll be able to, to share his knowledge and his drive to help officers, not just in Austin, but yeah, around, around the place as Hope for Heroes expands. Yep. And Hope for Heroes is duplicatable. Get a hold of me, Brad Cornell, and you will, we'll be able to set you up in your town. But thank you again, Joe. I so appreciate you being on today and appreciate all you do. Thank you for being the blessing you are to Hope for Heroes. And we're going to keep on keeping on with our officers and just going to keep stacking them up and loving them and letting them see that how much they we do care about them. So I thank you again for coming on today. And we're just going to continue to grow this and, and have it just expanded all across the country. Thank you, Brad. It's an honor and pleasure. And thank you for everything you've done for me and for our, our officers and their families. Hey, so glad you joined me today. Now you're going to want to follow us because we've got some upcoming episodes that you're not going to want to miss. See you then. All the bad.